Hey there, it's Dee, and I want to welcome you to Sunday Morning Flow, where we are delving into and exploring emotional and mental wellness through the lens of God's Word. Every Sunday, I'm here sharing a devotional, a testimony, a wellness challenge, or is to find our way back to the heart of God. And as always, my prayer is that Sunday Morning Flow is a safe and sacred space for you, as it is for me. One that opens up your heart, it gives you grace to worship, and just it gives you time to reason with God. One where you can take away at least one gem into the week ahead. This is our second episode, and I want to thank you if you listened to our first episode. Thank you for sharing, and thanks to those who would have given feedback. This is a space out of obedience to God for me, and I am truly humbled and happy that He can use it to unlock deeper levels of healing, spiritual, and emotional wellness in all of us. Before we move into today's devotion, let us pause and give God thanks for His presence as He guides the flow of our worship here today. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just pause, close your eyes if you can. And if you can't close your eyes, just lift your heart up to heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you with open hearts. We are so thankful for all of the blessings that you have given us. We have made it through one week in this new year. And already we know that you are working on our behalf, that you are working for us, and that you are working through us. Thank you for being faithful, God. Thank you for being here, God. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, God, for using me in spite of it all. I ask that you fill us with your presence in this moment, that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak to our situations, whatever we find ourselves in at this moment, and that you flow through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, I want to stay a bit longer on Habakkuk. Actually, this was not my original intent, but as I was reading further into the book, which has three chapters, I couldn't ignore some of the reminders and the lessons that surfaced and came to mind. Now, if you listen to our first podcast, you know that last week we unpacked just how honest and vulnerable Habakkuk was with God. The prophet was seeing what was happening in his country, and it seemed like the wicked nations were winning and thriving as God's people continued to suffer. Habakkuk brought his frustration and he brought his concerns to God, as we would have read, in a real way. And God reasoned with him in a very real way, too. And I would have challenged you at the end of the podcast, and if you are subscribed to our newsletter, you would have read, I would have reached out to you to give God your vulnerability. Give God the real you, what troubles you, what scares you, what worries you, what distracts you, what overwhelms you. And I really hope that you took up my challenge because God wants the real us. He wants to do real things in our lives in real ways that we will appreciate. It is not that he doesn't know us. It is not that he doesn't know who we are without our fluff or beyond the surface. God knows. He knows it all. And the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And even while knowing who we are fully, one of my favorite scriptures says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. And that can be found in Ephesians 1 and verse 4. What a love. What a love to know that even before our parents did the thing to bring us into this world, God knew us. Even before our parents sat down and they did their family planning, God knew us. 
even before we were a thought, even before our mom or dad, God knew us and he chose us. What incredible love. I love that for us. What love. And the whole purpose of us being vulnerable and real with God is not for this God who knew us before we were formed, before we were created, but it is for us. For only when we admit to the reality of our lives, only when we are real, only when we go beyond the surface with God, do we become open to transformation and healing. It's almost as if when we are honest about how things are, we're honest about how we are feeling, we're honest about the situation that we found ourselves in or the situation that we are in, only then will the scales from our mind's eyes are removed. And we hear it all the time in psychology. We hear it all the time in little sayings like the first step to being healed is acceptance. The first step to being healed is admitting and accepting what is. Denial is one of the greatest barriers to our healing. And sometimes we live in a perpetual state of denial because it may feel safe, because we feel protected, because we've learned that this is the way of dealing with life, because it's all we know. I'm so happy that God understands the complexity of our minds, of our hearts, of our journey toward emotional maturity. And that is why even if the only honest thing you can give to God is a prayer that sounds like, God, help me to be honest with you. Help me to be honest with myself. Or God, reveal the truth about this situation, this season, this experience that I am in to me. Or God, give me strength to handle the truth about XYZ. God wants that type of realness to lead real work in our hearts and our minds that we can truly appreciate. So I'm going to sound like a broken record every single week because I am going to remind you that God wants the real you. You can be real with God. It is one of the most important things that we can do within this month and definitely throughout this year. Now, if you continued reading about Habakkuk, you'd have realized that he not only asked one question to God, but he asked three questions to God. When I realized this, I was like, is this generalized anxiety I'm seeing? What, what is this? What is this I'm seeing? I mean, Habakkuk was in his worry bag. And it was so interesting to me because whenever I read the Bible, I always find myself trying to understand the mindset, the culture, the mental health, the state of the person, the prophet, the people. And Habakkuk was never considered on my part as it related to anxiety. I mean, I know of Moses. We've seen anxiety manifest itself in the life of Elijah, in the life of Jesus. We have examples in the Bible of people presenting anxiety in one form or the other or exhibiting anxiety symptoms in one form or the other. But Habakkuk was a welcome surprise. He never came to mind until last week when I was reading more into the book. We see him asking God three questions. Even after God answered him, Habakkuk still had questions. And if you read the scripture, you can almost sense the frustration. You can sense the worry coming through very clear, very strongly in just a tone that I haven't really picked up in any other book of the Bible. It was so clear, the frustration, the angst, 
the anger, the worry, the tone was clear and it was strong. And I think probably owning the life of Moses and David, did I sense this clear and strong tone of frustration, anger, worry, concern. And to be honest, I resonated with that. And I guess you can as well, because we are living in a time that gives way to worry. So many of us are anxious and we are concerned, we're agitated, we're uncomfortable, and we see our anxiety manifesting in different ways in our lives. Whether it is through displaced emotions, displaced anger, we're seeing it come out in our relationships, our partnerships, whether it is through obsessive thoughts or the act of going over our thoughts repeatedly, whether it is through constantly watching and listening to the news, whether it is through, you know, we're having difficulty sleeping or we're trying to find a solution to our physical real life problems, or we just find that we are on the edge a lot. Anxiety is a heavy emotion for all of us during this time. And for some of us, it can take over and become a bit severe. It can interfere with the smooth functioning of our lives. And for many of us, it can prevent us from living full, meaningful lives. Anxiety is a thing. Whether you are a believer, whether you know the scriptures or not, whether you are a prayer warrior or you are still struggling with how can I be real with God? How can I speak to God through direct, meaningful conversation? Or you consider yourself as having a lion heart. You know, you're strong. Anxiety is a thing. It is real. It is a thing. And we aren't alone in a lot of the experiences that stem from worry or anxiety. When I look at the Bible, the disciples who walked with Jesus, and I just want you to sit with this, the actual disciples who walked with Jesus, who to we today were praying to him, they walked with him like in the flesh and they witnessed his great miracles in his presence. They worried. You know, in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus spoke to the crowd and his disciples were in the crowd and he said to them, do not worry about your life. Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour, a single hour to your life? And Jesus himself was worried in the garden of Gethsemane when he literally was sweating blood and he asked God to remove the cup of suffering. And we go back to our scripture, we go back to our uh, book of discussion today, Habakkuk. Habakkuk too was worried. But what we see from all of these examples is that while they had things to be worried about, they didn't stay stuck in their state of worry, in their state of anxiety. They brought all of that before God. And we see through scripture that God spoke to their concerns, he spoke to their fears, and he spoke to their worries directly. I like that word because it suggests that God didn't sugarcoat. He didn't give metaphors. He didn't carry you around the bush. God speaks directly to whatever emotion we bring to him. And that's so encouraging to me. You know, sometimes you go to a friend and you're asking them for a recommendation, a suggestion, and they're going around in a circle before they speak directly to what you want them to speak directly to. I am so thankful that God is not like that. When we come to him with our concerns or fears and or worries, he responds to us he is hitting it where it hurts. He is speaking to the exact point of reference that we need a recommendation, we need insight, we need a perspective shifting word for. And so this week, I want you to reframe the concept of worry and anxiety. And instead of the basic thoughts of, oh, worry is bad, 
worry is a sin, anxiety is a sin, anxiety is bad, I'm a weak believer or I'm a weak person because I'm struggling with this. I want you to consider viewing anxiety and worry as an invitation to lay down what is wearing on you before God. And God, in his great mercy, he might give you clarity. He might give you greater insight into the situation that you are a bit confused about. He might give you physical relief. He might impress upon you to reach out to someone. He might bring a scripture to your mind. The solution to the situation that triggered you might not come to mind. Or the situation might not even change right now. But the lens in which you view the situation or your experience or the physiological responses that you have will shift when you enter God's rest and you just level with him. You let him know what's up with your worry and with what concerns you. In addition to seeing anxiety and worry as an invitation to sitting with God and giving it to him constantly, I want you to challenge the way that you think about the worrying thought, the anxious thought. I want to challenge you to identify what is the core belief that I have that is causing this worry. In other words, what is driving this worry? You may want to ask yourself when you're challenging yourself after you've identified whatever the the worry or the concern may be, what is the evidence for against my way of thinking right now? Are there any other ways that I could look at this situation? Is there something I can learn from this situation? Is there a scripture to speak to this fear, to speak to this worry, to speak to my concern? What I also love about Habakkuk was that he was persistent in his conversation with God. And in the spiritual space, we would say he was persistent in prayer. And being persistent in prayer means you continue praying, you continue reasoning with God until God gives you an answer. And this week, one of the things that really hit me is the whole notion that being persistent in prayer for many may mean saying the same prayer repeatedly or saying the same prayer over and over and over until we get the results that we want. Being persistent in prayer is another invitation to sit with God through prayer or conversation and also sit with what he reveals to us. So it's not a simple everyday, God, I want a kingdom partner. God, give me a new job. God, I want financial breakthrough. God, I want a child. God, heal me. God, reveal yourself to my best friend. It's not saying the same thing over and over again until God bows to our request. It's coming to him daily with what we think we desire, with an openness of our heart to appreciate and embrace what he desires and he reveals to us. The question I always ask myself is, Am I listening as much as I am complaining or worrying? Am I only coming to God with my requests or am I coming with my requests with an openness to hearing from him? This week, I want us to check the posture of our hearts. Ellen G. White says in Steps to Christ, prayer does not bring God down to us, but it brings us up to him. Habakkuk listened. And because Habakkuk paused and he listened, he was able to move from a place of complaining and worry to a place of understanding. Many times we are asking God, God, are you listening to me? You're hearing me, God. But we have to ask ourselves the same question. Am I listening to God? 
Am I listening to His Word through Scripture? Am I listening to what He places on my heart or He brings to mind? Am I listening to the Word He places on the heart of my spiritual mentors, my spiritual parents, my spiritual leaders? And how do we do that? Sometimes when we pray, we may want to sit in silence for a few minutes to hear what God is saying to us, whether it is through words, scripture, images, names, sentences. Whenever we pray, it's important for us to pause after we pray, after we say amen. And this can be for five minutes. This can be for 10 minutes. It is important for us to appreciate that prayer is not a monologue. So it's not just us talking all of the time, asking God all of the questions, but it's also us pausing and sitting in silence, listening for a word from God. When I first began doing this, I was very overwhelmed because my thoughts were all over the place and I didn't harness the habit of bringing my mind back to center as yet. And one thing that really helped me was that I would simply say when I found that my mind was drifting, when I found that I was moving to one thought to the next, I would simply say, Lord, focus my mind, reveal your plans and your words and your instructions to me. And so maybe when you are praying this week, you want to just spend a few minutes sitting in silence. You may want to say to yourself, Lord, focus my mind, reveal your plans and your words and your instructions to me. And sometimes God doesn't speak to us exactly in those moments. I don't want us to think that we are sitting in silence and we're going to sit for three days until we hear God speak to us. We just want to get into the habit of after we say amen, after we pray, we sit down, we pause. We sit in expectation. We sit in silence. Sometimes God doesn't even speak to us in those moments. Sometimes our hearts are just better postured to hear from him. And he brings something to our mind throughout the day. And sometimes we hear God, but we dismiss what he tells us because it may not be aligned with what we want for ourselves. Sometimes it scares us. Sometimes it's too much for our insecurities to handle at the time. Or it just sounds too basic or there is some type of heartbreak that will follow after acting on what God has asked us to do or what he told us. And we ain't want that. We don't want to be in the heartbreak of decision thing. And so we just dismiss what he tells us. I'm happy to share that every single day I ask for a discerning spirit. I ask for a spirit that discerns. I ask for the courage to do what God has impressed me to do and the grace to not beat up myself for feeling real emotions. When I have to give up an ideal, when I have to give up a situation, when I have to walk away from an experience, when I have to walk away from a dream that I think I want, but it just isn't aligned with what God wants for me. And I want to give you two examples. There were two times I remember very distinctly when God would have spoken to me after I prayed to him. And it was so clear. It was so clear and loud that it scared me. So the first time was I was talking to someone online and I felt like we had a connection. We were very different, but sometimes, you know, we need different in our lives. On another day, I can give you a whole spiel on how opposites attract, but opposites really last. Anyway, we agreed to meet in person. And when we did, God said to me, this is not your person. This is a distraction. Guys, it was so loud. I ignored it. And I kid you not, throughout the entire conversation, throughout the entire encounter with that person, God repeatedly, like a broken record, was telling me in my mind, this is not your person. This is a distraction. 
And I remember praying before going out for God to speak to me. And I paused and he didn't speak to me in that moment immediately after I prayed. But it was so overwhelming in that moment when I was actually face to face with that person that it scared me. Safe to say that friendship did not last. And I literally walked away saying the very same thing that God told me from day one. That person was not my person. That person was a distraction. The second time that I heard God's voice so clearly, so loudly was when I was in a relationship for a very long time and I actually felt like the relationship would have ended up in marriage. And looking back, I have to laugh because I was a baby D. I was a baby. I was not emotionally mature. I was still hung up on corporate life. My relationship with God was steeped in tradition and I was a little feminist, okay? And has the relationship moved on? I realized that we were growing apart and it hurt me because I gave my relationship my all as I always do. I gave my best at the time, but I remember praying to God to reveal to me the purpose of the relationship because I had a strong sense that we were just not aligned. We were two good people, two great persons who loved God, but we were just not aligned. And I think none of us wanted to do the hard thing. And the hard thing was saying, hey, I respect you. I appreciate you. I care for you deeply. But this thing that we're walking through, thinking that it's going to end up in marriage, it's not working. We're not on the same boat. And very clearly, God revealed that my purpose was to be that person's friend. Okay, that person's friend to help them to choose and to shift toward a different career path. No, I had already helped that person shift their career, um, make that decision to shift their career path. And I kid you not, the minute that I did that, that is when it just seemed like nothing was gelling us together. It was like we were trying to make it work and it just didn't have God's stamp of approval. But you know us, young people, we're going to stick around on that struggle bus and we're going to ignore God's prompting. And it came to a point so clearly that the purpose of this relationship was not what I wanted it to be. And I had to make a really difficult decision. I decided to walk away. And it was the best decision that I could have made. It was the hardest decision that I could have made. And every time, you know, right now, someone pops up into my life that's new or someone re-enters my life that I knew from a past life, I am so serious about asking for a spirit of discernment and for God to reveal the purpose of the friendship, of the union, of the connection, so that I don't find myself in a situation that I don't have any place in and so that I don't hurt persons unintentionally because I am not honest with myself. I'm not honest with God and I didn't listen to what God spoke to me. But it was so clear to me when God spoke to me then. And so friend, I want to challenge you as much as we are quick to ask God. God, you're hearing me. God, you're listening. I'm telling you this, 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 this. Let us ask ourselves the same question. Am I listening to God? So whenever you pray this week, take a few minutes, 10 to 15 minutes to just sit in silence and take note of what God shares or what comes to mind. And if it calls for action, please take action. Please do the hard thing. Please do the divine thing. Please do the honorable thing. Don't be like me. Listen the first time. The last thing I want to leave you with this week is God always gives us strategy. He always gives us know-how. And I love this because some of us, we didn't grow up with great models. Matter of fact, half of us had to unlearn a whole lot before we could be functional adults. And some of us, we are still getting it right. But God gives us strategy. 
no matter our foundation, no matter where we came from, no matter what we've experienced, no matter our lack of skill, no, no matter our exposure, God gives us strategy. And in Habakkuk, you'd read in his response that God outlined how he would use the Chaldeans to teach Judah a lesson for its sinful ways. God went into detail, especially in chapter 2. He went in. And this is no surprise to those of us who know God. God doesn't give vague strategy or instruction. When we consider the sanctuary system or his instructions to Moses, God gave instructions on how to build things that would allow the Israelites to make sacrifices and atone for their sins. Even when we look at the creation story or we think about Bible prophecy, we see that God is a God of details and he is in the details. Growing up, I would always hear a person say, God is my CEO. God is my chief executive officer. God is my CFO. God is my strategist. And I was like, hmm, I know that God is leading you, but you have to have something for him to work with. And now reflecting on this, the truth is sometimes God gives you a clear plan to work and all you have is faith. And that is all that he needs. One of my favorite Soka Gospel songs from Samantha Johnson and Tia, Go Down and Pray, listen to it when you can, says, Before cock crowing and the morning stat, she on she knees in prayer, getting the battle plan, getting the battle plan for the day and strategizing. I really love that song. God is always clear about the how in moving forward. He's always clear about the when to move forward. He is always clear about the who to move forward with. He didn't only give people in the Bible a battle plan. He today gives us a strategy as we go to him in prayer. And so this week, we will need a strategy. We're going to need divine know-how to handle our co-workers, to handle our projects, to handle our family, to handle this pandemic, to handle our partner, to handle our children. We're going to need divine know-how. And as God made it clear to Habakkuk, he is more than willing and able to make it clear to us too. Proverbs 24, 6 says, Strategic planning is the key to warfare. To win, you need a lot of good counsel. And the foundation and the source, my friend, of good counsel comes from the God of details and the God who is in the details. So many gems I've shared here today. I've also shared some of my tea and all that is in it. But I really hope that one thing remained with you. Be it asking God for how to move this week or reframing your anxiety or your worry as an invitation to sit with God in silence or checking ourselves to listen more intensely and humbly as he speaks. Happy Sunday, friend. May God continue to flow through you today. Take care.